1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host Erin Royer. Now today's questions are about a magical experience of childhood and how to handle it and the second is about how to handle kids when they don't listen the first time and what are expectations we should have around that. So first, this first half of the episode is not for most kids, not for younger kids. So you want to wait until your kids are not in the room or in the car or wherever you are, unless you're wearing headphones. I'm all about being open and honest with kids about life and tough topics. But this topic is a question about a piece of childhood magic. And I think you all know what I'm saying here, especially if you saw the title of the episode. So if you hope to keep the magic alive as long as possible, you want to wait until your kids aren't around. Now, rather than launching right into a question, I'm going to give everyone a few minutes in case you're navigating the freeway or you're across the room from your phone changing a diaper with a toddler in the room or some such thing. I'm going to share about a couple experiences I've had lately. So there's a couple of families that I'm currently working with and these are great families, great kids The parents are really caring and want the best for their kids and their kids have some great skills but they realized as their kids are hitting 11 and 14 for one family and 9 and 11 for another that they've missed a fairly big piece of the parenting puzzle and so now i'm working with them through private coaching to help them get their kids up to the potential that they'd like to see from them in the case of the family with the older kids they're really starting to see what's coming down the road and how quickly it's coming college applications and or future career plans and goals now, I don't advocate college as the only answer either. It's an answer, but one of many, and especially in this changing world, there's so many different opportunities. But regardless, the world is very different from where it was when I went to school. College is really expensive, and it seems like it's so competitive now. And that's a whole other thing to manage, is not stressing our kids out about it. but. Besides that, colleges are looking for kids who are going to make a solid contribution to the world. Good grades are nice, but they're looking for more now. I'm also hearing a lot in the business community about how the younger hires right out of school, whether it's a trade school, a certification, a four-year degree or beyond, is that they're lacking a lot of what they're calling soft skills, communication skills, planning, organization, time management, problem solving. And these parents are starting to see this and where their kids are not where they would like them to be or feel they should or could be for them to be more successful in the world once they leave their home, once they get through school. So I see this parenting process as steps in each age group, and actually I'm updating the website now to reflect this. You know, infancy is for building the bond and learning your baby's temperament, giving opportunities for development, like communication skills I talked about last week in the episode. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that episode for sure. I think it was a really good one about building those communication skills in your infants even before they are even remotely talking to you yet toddlerhood is about continued opportunities for development physical cognitive and social emotional and these are building blocks for everything that comes after getting this stuff down solid in these younger years is really going to help moving forward. I can't say enough about the importance of solid emotion skills and then the social skills that come on top of those for a solid foundation for grade school readiness, for friendships, for being ready to sit and learn, for being able to share, for being able to take turns, for being able to communicate their needs effectively. Once our kids are in grade school, yes, we're still coaching and working on social emotional skills, but by the age of nine, they should be fully emotionally competent and have a pretty fully developed empathy skills, and I talk about this and how to work on these in the development series You're developing infant, toddler, preschooler, and elementary age child. But we still need coaching, reminders, and practice. Now by second grade and on, it's about helping them understand themselves, their gifts and their struggles, helping them problem solve the struggles and hone their gifts and talents. It's about teaching and having them take on a lot of ownership of their own daily routines and processes so that by the time a child moves on to middle school, they're fully responsible for bathing, grooming, morning, afternoon, and evening routines, homework, planning and completing projects planning and studying for tests with very little intervention or reminders from parents. Now, this can and should include things like folding and sorting their own laundry, making their own lunch if they pack a lunch, so that by the time they hit high school, it's about planning for the future, coaching about making good decisions in the world and coaching them about learning from their mistakes, navigating friendships, but even more so because it's new, is the romantic relationships. This is a huge job. It's the most important thing I think most of us will ever do. Okay, if one of you out there finds the cure to cancer or another really bad disease, maybe that can usurp the importance of raising kids. But other than that, I can't think of anything. So this is why I just can't stress enough the importance of positive discipline, building self-esteem, teaching emotion, and social skills to help our kids shine in the world. If once your child leaves home, he or she knows him or herself relatively well, learns how to learn more about him or herself, his or her strengths and struggles and how to work with both of those, has really good communication skills, can navigate the difficulties of friendships and romance, plan their days and coming weeks relatively well for setting goals and completing them, has problem solving, takes care of their own hygiene and physical needs, and weathers life's ups and downs with some pretty good resilience, then you've given not just them, but the world an amazing gift. And you've set them up with all the tools to share their gifts and talents with the world and thrive out there. And that's why I built the website to give parents all these tools to do just this. Now, if the podcast is enough and you're filling it and you're missing pieces with what you learn from the podcast, that's awesome. And I'm so glad to be of help to so many people this way. But if you're looking for help in one small area, like separation anxiety or potty training, or you wanna make sure you've got all your bases covered for each of your individual children, for family connection, self-discipline, self-esteem, all these life skills and emotion skills and responsibilities, then definitely check out the classes on the website. If you've been wanting to take the classes and it really is out of your budget, please don't hesitate to send an email and let me know. I've had several single moms ask for help. Moms on maternity leave who went down to one income saying they really want to take the classes, but they can't fit it into their budget. I've also had a couple of parents who had lost custody of their kids temporarily and really wanted to learn more and show the judges and show the social workers that they really wanted to do this, but they didn't have much money to do it. And so I work with them to make sure that it fits within their budget. I won't turn anyone away who wants to be a better parent, and I take people at their word. I think that's really important. So if you have wanted to, but just felt like you couldn't for financial reasons, please reach out to me. You can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com, and my assistant Amy reads those emails, and she can help. If it's something she thinks needs to come to my attention, she will forward it on to me. And the good news is my two families are making wonderful progress in a very short time. So I'm really proud of the work that they've done and really excited for them. Okay, so I think I gave everyone more than enough time to make sure their little ones are not listening. So this question is from Sarah and it's about Santa. Sarah says, hello, I just started listening to your podcast and really appreciate what I've learned. I have a big question. My son is only one year old and this is not yet an issue, but lately I'm questioning telling him about Santa in the future. I don't have any bad memories of Santa when I was little and wasn't resentful of my parents for lying to me, so that's not where this is coming from. I just wonder if I should lie to my son. Everything I've learned and know about parenting is I should be honest and straightforward with my child. So how can I justify lying to him about Santa? It doesn't feel right, but at the same time, I truly want him to have that magical Christmas experience that I had, running down the stairs when Santa comes, searching the night sky for reindeer, all of it. This question has been really weighing on me this season. Obviously I got her question back in December. The other piece, I know my husband would not be on the same page and will want to do Santa. Part of me agrees with him, but in addition to my concerns about lying, I also feel like it's a good time of year to teach him about giving rather than receiving. I have time, but I think it would help to have your input. Thank you. And I love this question. I'm first going to share my background with Santa. As a child, and with my children. So I grew up with Santa, and I did love all the magic, too, for all the same reasons. The excitement in the morning, the excitement at night, before running down the stairs to see what was in the stockings, very exciting. My husband is Jewish. His parents really stuck with being traditionally Jewish, only Hanukkah in the home. Now, my parents were not religious, so I had a very secular holiday, a very secular Christmas holiday growing up. But I had been searching for some time for a spiritual practice that fit me. Now, I'm sharing some very personal information here, but this fits in. So I had explored a lot of different religions and sects of religions, but I hadn't found my home until I went to a high holy day service with my then friend, who is now my husband, and I fell in love with Judaism. I started studying Judaism, but I never told him because I didn't want him to think I was doing it for him. Even though we were friends at the time, I thought he would think I was trying to land him or something, and I wasn't. Anyway, as we got more serious and started to date, of course, I told him what I was up to. Anyway, as we started to date, and one Saturday morning, he asked me what I was doing, and I didn't tell him because I didn't want him to know I was at temple. And then we went out that night, and he and I had I fessed up that I had been going to temple, and I had been reading and studying Judaism. Anyway, as we got more serious and as we got closer to getting engaged and getting married, he told me that he wanted to keep the traditions of his family, to keep the home very Jewish so as not to confuse the kids or lose Hanukkah in the craziness of Christmas. And so I absolutely agreed with that. So now I'm raising kids where Santa does not come to their house. And I had to make a choice. I had to either lie to my kids who don't even get to experience the magic and tell them Santa doesn't visit our house which sounded kind of rude, or be honest and hope that they'll not be the little jerk who tells other kids Santa isn't real. Now that's a lot of pressure. So I totally understand not feeling comfortable lying to your kids. But here's what developmental psychologists and researchers have to say about these characters like Santa, the Easter bunny, or the tooth fairy. It's that we're engaging our child in the world of imagination. Little kids have this incredible gift of imagination, and too many of us lose that as we get older. And so this is a way for us to engage in that world with them. Now, also to kids under seven and even eight, for many, many kids, everything is real. And that's actually why in the kids and media class, I talk about not allowing kids to see the news, even in the background, because everything is so real to them. Something around the globe feels like it's next door to them. And repeats in footage seem like it's happening over and over. Everything is very real. So, now I know I shared this story in the kids in media class, but I also believe I've shared it on one of the episodes quite a long time ago, but I'm gonna share it again because it really fits in here. This is a story about fantasy versus reality. When my son was about four, he was afraid of Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. and I explained that he was just a movie character and nothing to be afraid of, but that he wasn't real. Well, then lo and behold, we're at California Adventure a few weeks later. We walk around the corner, and who's standing there but Mike Wazowski? And my son exclaims, you told me he wasn't real, but he is real, he's right there. So, this just shows that everything to these kids is very, very real. So, the answer to this question is that it's perfectly fine and even healthy to engage in the world of magic and make believe with our children and to uphold this fantasy for them. There's absolutely no harm done. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world using the latest in breast milk science. And some of you may be wondering what we did in our situation. And the answer is we we didn't bring it up. So long as our kids didn't bring it up to discuss it, we got around that. They didn't bring it up, we didn't bring it up. But when they did ask questions in the beginning, we're able to answer them in such a way that it didn't give anything away. So we would say things like, for many people, Santa's a very important part of their Christmas celebration. And we kind of leave it at that. I wish I could remember the questions exactly in the beginning, but when we got to a point of a point blank question, I think it was like, why doesn't Santa come to our house? I felt like I needed to be honest, but I told the kids that Santa is very important to other kids and their families and the magic of their holiday. And they were never to tell any of their classmates, friends, neighbors, or other children anywhere that Santa wasn't real. Okay. Our next question is from Dana. She says, I just found your podcast and I'm excited to dive deeper into the topics you've spoken about already. I'm a divorced single mom of two girls, eight and 10, and have been in a loving, committed relationship for about a year and a half. My boyfriend is a divorced single dad of a 17 year old boy. He and his son are great with my girls, and the boyfriend takes the role of being a dad seriously. That being said, he has a more strict approach to his parenting style than I do. He has a strong feeling about please and thank you and has been a great influence on my girls about that. However, with his more strict approach, he doesn't feel he should have to ask my girls to do something more than once. For me, I don't jump directly to discipline where he asks once and then defines the repercussions, removal of privileges or saying they're, ru- they're ruining the day. Also being a man, he has a tone that is more intimidating and not what any of us are used to. I'm struggling with how to allow him to behave like a dad, which would require the ability to discipline my kids. He feels I'm more fluffy in my approach and doesn't feel like he should be. I try to remind him that with girls, especially prepubescent girls, that I would appreciate him trying to approach discipline in a manner more like my approach. Do you have any advice about how, as a biological parent, to deal with a step-parent taking part in the discipline process and how to make the new dynamic less jarring to the children? Is this more of an issue in our relationship or more a parenting issue? Help. Thank you, Dana. And this is a great question. It really shows the extra layers that come in with step parenting. These are waters any couple has to navigate, but it has a different feel and definitely an extra layer when it comes to step parenting. But it also highlights a very common problem in most parents' homes that they have because we almost never see the way to handle a parenting or discipline scenario the same way and tend to approach things differently. So to start with, I want to answer... Your last question, is it more a parenting issue or a relationship issue? And I think it's really both. It's a parenting issue because of the different styles and wanting to get more on the same page, but also it can and will affect your relationship with each other. So I do understand where he's coming from, and I like that he has high expectations of the kids, and that's a great thing. However, as I've been working on trying to be much better about making clear, is that consequences should be a very last resort. So this is something he could use some work on. And I think just having a discussion after you let him know everything you do appreciate, including the expectations for pleases and thank yous, and for them responding right away rather than ignoring, and that they're respectful and listen the first time. You wanna talk about what are your goals for your kids, yours and his. Now, hopefully they overlap. Most times they do completely overlap, it's just the parents have different ways of going about that goal. And once they learn that there's some better ways of getting to those goals, they get on the same page. So I'm hoping his goal and yours is to help raise responsible, successful, and happy adults and to have great relationships along the way, now and into and through adulthood. Part of the successful and happy part is teaching them what's expected and then giving them the opportunity to take on responsibility for themselves and their choices. Now we want to give our kids every opportunity to make a good choice before resorting to taking things away or any kind of punitive discipline. Once you go to consequences, you're now working on next time. You lose the opportunity to work on this time and having them make a better choice this time. It also removes an opportunity for them to learn the better choice and practice it. And these things are important. The practice is so important. Getting the opportunity to go back and practice making the better choice and doing it because this is what's going to sink in. So in dealing with these things, I would work on first setting the boundary and having a coaching session about these things, whatever the trouble spots are. When I ask you to put your laundry away or empty the dishwasher or pick up your shoes, I expect you to do it the first time I ask. It's disrespectful of my time and energy to expect me to keep coming back and reminding you. Now, with this being said, and this was just a couple examples, it's better for kids to have some autonomy in these chores or areas. So rather than just expecting them to drop what they're doing to go empty the dishwasher or put away the laundry, it's best to give choices around it anyway. It's your turn to empty the dishwasher. Do you want to do it before or after you finish your homework, before or after you have your snack? or whatever is going on right then. None of us like to be told to drop everything we're doing that moment and go do something else someone else is asking us to do because it's important to them. So when it comes to things that do need to get done right away, like getting their shoes on for school, or if the rule is they're supposed to put their shoes away and you found them in the middle of the floor, then yes, it's perfectly acceptable to say, I need you to come right now and put these shoes away. But in this case, I would say the long-term goal is to set the expectation that they are responsible for getting themselves fully ready in the morning, meaning getting their shoes on and going. They are responsible for their process when they come in the door from school, putting their backpack away and putting their shoes away. So that's what you want to work on long-term. But in these moments, here's some things you can do you can work on. You tell your child what you want, please get your shoes on, it's time to go, or please put your shoes away, you left them on the floor, and you know they're not supposed to go there. If it gets ignored, in order to turn this behavior around, it's best to not yell it across the room, especially when they're already in the habit of ignoring or not listening the first time. You want to go over, put your hand on their shoulder, get eye contact, and tell them exactly what you need. I need you to get your shoes on now, please. It's time to go. Or I need you to pick up your shoes from the middle of the floor. You know that's not where they go. This lets them know you are serious. You then stand and wait until they get up to do it. If they get distracted easily, now this is more common in boys, but can happen with girls too. If they get distracted easily, you want to follow them until they get their shoes and start putting them on. Or until they get up and pick up their shoes and start walking towards the spot where you know they're going to put them away in the right place. Then over time, shouldn't be too long. A week or two of doing this, you can start backing off. They will understand that when you ask, you mean it, and that they need to comply the first time. Now, after that, you will very likely be able to start calling out across the room. Please put on your shoes. It's time to go. But if they start to slip back into that habit of ignoring or not listening, then you go back to the hand on the shoulder and an, you know an I'm serious tone and an I'm serious look. And it won't take very long, once or twice of doing that, And they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember this. As part of giving them an opportunity to take on responsibility I mentioned earlier, the goal then becomes giving them full responsibility with your support where they need it and help at first or keeping the time management piece when it comes to mornings as your responsibility, the parent's responsibility for a while longer, probably till they're 11 or 12, you may need to do this. So when it's time to move on from breakfast, A reminder, in two minutes, we're gonna be done with breakfast and you need to get ready to leave for school. So you're giving them opportunities to do as much as they can by themselves, but supporting the process when needed. And as I wouldn't expect an eight or 10 year old to keep an eye on the clock and know what time they should finish breakfast and move on to shoes, coat and backpack. Now when you set up these scenarios and these expectations, it eliminates the need to remind about each of these things. Now these are just a few examples and you may have different ones where the circumstances are different that you're struggling with. But hopefully these guidelines give you some idea of where to start and where to go when it comes to this. Now, Also the class Getting Kids to Listen under the Discipline menu covers several more tools for helping kids make better choices with listening and following through. And also the class on Parenting as a Couple, which is under the Modern Parenting tab or menu offers a better understanding of the positives of two different parents and two different approaches, as well as when and how to step in and help each other with discipline exchanges and how to work to get on the same page or when to bite your tongue and walk away. And those classes, along with all the others, can be found on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.